You are listening to episode 188 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and John and me go to see in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we played a little bit of Burly Men at Sea on the, I guess technically the PlayStation 5, but it's on like a million other devices. Yeah, I've been actually wanting to play this game for a long time, so it was nice to check out something small. Yeah, definitely agree with you on that, man. Um, Especially because we have so much else to talk about this week. Yeah, I guess, dude, honestly, I felt it was a little light this week. Xbox? I mean, I'm not... I mean, we're not even really talking about like the Capcom or the other events that they did. I get it, but like... It's just, it's Xbox. I mean, a lot of it's going to be on PC, right? So for me, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it in that lens of, yeah. okay, cool. I'll be able to play it on Game Pass or have the ability to play this, uh, you know, via PC regardless, right? So that's um, that's the way I looked at it. But, you know, let's uh, kind of look at what we're going to talk about. Of course, like you just mentioned, Xbox Bethesda Games Showcase. So we'll talk about that. Um, the Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to be a trilogy. Um, yeah, no surprise. We already knew that was going to happen. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about that and some of the other titles that were released, or not released, but announced. And then uh, Activision investigates itself in an unsurprising find of no evidence and systematic harassment, or no evidence of systematic <laughs> harassment. Um, yeah, that's... Well, I'm going to enjoy talking about that one. That's going to be good. But first, uh, recent pickups and our games that we're currently playing. So I picked up the Ravenloft board game, which is D&D. And, it's huge. Uh, Dude, it's actually not a bad deal when you can, all things considered, right? You have 40 unpainted minis that come with that game. Dungeon tiles that also come with that game. The fact that it is a board game on top of all of that. And 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting 40 minis for 40 bucks. When you look at it in the grand scheme of things of minis and, and what you're purchasing when you get like a D&D set, it's usually about four minis for booster pack and there's about 16 of them. So you get about 64 minis for about four to $500 sometimes Dang. or a little bit more than that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy when you consider how many minis you are getting in this game box for $40 that you can, like you got to paint it. Obviously they're not pre-painted minis. So there's a little time that comes with it. But they're minis. Yeah. You know, like you really consider just the minis alone are going to cost you a buck a piece. If I were to go get some of these minis loose, they'd be about two, three dollars a piece with shipping need to be added on top of that. So you're talking about four dollars on average. That's like a hundred sixty dollars in minis for forty bucks. Is there anything like especially good in there? Yeah, there's like a, a zombie Dracolich, there's a zombie dragon, there's multiple ghouls, there's different like playable characters. You have um Strahd is in there. Oh, cool. Uh so there's actually some some pretty cool minis that are in there. Of course, I got to paint them, but you know, I can go about playing the game without painting too. Yeah. So pick that up. I got the two monitors hooked up, which look great. Um, I am having to do a, an exchange or return on one of them. So the latch on the back, cause they kind of like slot in. And whenever I try to adjust this one on the left, it want, it doesn't want to like stay. It just pops out uh. for like the latch just doesn't hold. So uh, I went ahead and bought another one and then have this one for return. That's what they suggested I do because otherwise if you do an exchange, you have to return it to Newegg and then it takes like three to four days to get there to begin with. And then they, and then they process. The and then, yeah, so I'm looking at like two to three weeks regardless of getting a new monitor. So they said, you know what? We'll do a standard return. Go buy a new one since it's on a Newegg credit card. No big deal. It'll redo your form of payment. 
we'll send that new one out your way. And then whenever that comes in, swap it out and send us because you've already printed out the shipping label. Yeah. So it says I'll be getting the new one by next week. And so I will just go ahead and send it, you know, new shipping label or the shipping label I have, I'll send in the old monitor and, and get that all worked out. Uh, but that was kind of disappointing. Like it's a kind of a no-name brand, but like the quality is not too bad. The speakers, it's an idea display. Um, so I could have gone with like MSI, but MSI had like 144 hertz um, for the uh, refresh rate. And uh, I ended up getting like 175 on this one, which was pretty decent. The speakers are built in on this. This has two display ports and two HDMI per system, plus an audio jack. So if I want to do some sort of external audio, which I do uh, with this setup, um, I can do that. Whereas with the MSI one, while the contrast ratio is 3000 to one compared to 1000 to one on these, um, I'm getting the same size screen. I'm getting speakers that from the, you know, out of box, even though they're not the best, I have speakers. I have more ports that I can put my stuff into, which is nice. So I'm gonna be running display ports once I get the new GPU on both my work laptop and my uh, standard desktop. And then I'll have HDMIs for my video game setups that we have here. So, I mean, we're talking essentially four HDMIs that we're gonna have available for multiple screens, which will be kind of nice. Uh, so that's how that's panning out right now. Um, as far as other pickups, I have some orders coming in from GameStop. I got Mario Super Smash Tennis on the Wii U because it was like 17 bucks, and then which I'm surprised GameStop had that. I'm gonna guess it doesn't have a case, uh, but I have that coming in, and then uh, Medium as well, the game that was showcased I guess a couple years back uh, as being like a big Xbox thing. I guess it's out on PS5 as well, nice. and it has a full DualSense support apparently, so that'd be pretty cool. But uh, yeah, that one was like 18 dollars. But I had a $5 gift card for GameStop online, and then um, I had like 26,000 points, so I ended up getting a $15 gift card and knocked 20 off of all of it. So I'm getting both those for about 25 bucks. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Um, so I'm excited for Medium and seeing how that's going to turn out. As far as currently playing is concerned, Elden Ring, you saw Elden what I'm Ring. doing. I'm level 41. Uh, I beat multiple bosses, so I beat Godric um, for sure. Uh, and then I got stuck on the wolf boss. I forget what the name is, like red something. I forget the name of the boss. But uh, I went through the arcane uh, school, essentially. It was going through there, cleared out everything, got to the boss, and I'm just at a point where he's I tough. just... Yeah, he's tough. I got to level up. I was thinking, well, let me get the Moonveil Katana. Well, it's not going to help me because the level I'm at and where my arcane and intelligence are, there's no way I'm going to be able to use that anyway. So I'm using, seriously, an Uchigana plus three, which is not the best. And I don't want to waste more smithing stones on that. Um, oh, well, so, the, so the Moonvale uses the somber smithing stones. They're the special ones, not the regular smithing stones. Okay, cool. So, so maybe I should upgrade my... Up your, yeah, and also, like, if you really are worried about it, like, later on you can go hunt for items that allow you to just buy low-level smithing stones. Oh, okay, cool. So, so yeah. you're not going to get to the point where you're going to dump stuff in there that you're going to miss late game. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. So what's interesting is every single boss I've faced so far, I have not been able to summon anybody in at all. The first boss, so Godric, when I faced him, um, actually, I lied. So the first first boss, when you're going up to Stormvale, uh, I forget who it was, but... Uh, beat him with somebody that was pretty quick i probably could have beat on my own i took him down half life when i faced godric took him down half life on my own found out i could get npc got the npc came in with my wolves and her and knocked it out like second or third try right yeah. uh but other than that i have not been able to summon anybody in for boss i can go into other people's games 
and play with them and farm souls, but I cannot get anybody into my game for some reason. Is there like an item you need to use or something? I don't know. Like there's a specific item that allows you to see summon signs of different players, and I've used that and nobody pops up. I've looked at my settings. All my settings are fine for people to come into my game. I just, there's no signs left for me to do anything. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. So I'm going to have to look into that further, or it's just going to end up being like Demon Souls for me all over again. Whereas with Demon Souls, Demon Souls, I soloed it. And I mean, it's so much more difficult, but that's fine because I'm just going to grind out levels, explore, have some fun with it. I've got the the Wars of Ash or whatever that I can utilize. So it's kind of, or Ashes of War. Uh, And then some NPCs here and there, but like, the, the Magma Worm, for example, for the Moonvale, dude, it's like damn near impossible. I got like a third of its health off by myself, but, you know, I was a lower level when I started playing that one, probably about three or four levels, but still, man, it's difficult. And then the Wolf Guy, pff, I could probably get like a quarter of his health off before he knocks me out because he's, he's so, so fast. He's so fast, yeah. He's fast, and then you just, you're dealing with like the blue beams coming at you, basically magic missiles for the most part. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, like the main, like heavy one that comes your way and he's jumping on you and running around and slash. It's insane how much this guy does. But I did go into those catacombs and I got that like nether spirit, uh, ashes of war, which is like a hundred FP. So I'm going to utilize him since it's an actual physical, like being in a sense. Uh, I'll utilize that one and see how that goes. Um, and then I also finished the castle that was down south that had been like overrun by whatever it had yeah. been overrun. And uh, I went ahead and knocked all of that out and defeated the everything. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I cleared it all out. So, dude, that was so easy. I beat the boss on my second try. It's supposed to be like an earlier thing. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that I leveled up so high that like the shadow guy, for example, I went in and beat him on my first try because yeah. I'm dealing like two or three hundred damage. Like by the time I look, four slashes like a quarter of his health off. So that's kind of where that went. But so Elden Ring is pretty fun. The only qualm I have about this right now is that the open world nature of it really does get you lost, and it's not as streamlined, I guess, as other Souls games when it comes to story and whatnot. It's just not super concise. So it's cool. Like I get the whole gist of it, you know, with trying to brandish the Elden Ring and you're trying to help the world of you know, getting rid of all these demigods and whatnot. Like, I get it, but it's just not as compelling as, like, Sekido, which was phenomenal from a yeah. storytelling perspective. That is by far the best one. Uh, so that's been pretty cool. Um, my wife and I started playing Shadow of the Colossus, so uh, she gave up on Bloodborne, and she's like, I want to play it, but at the same time, I don't, and that's fine. We got past the first boss in Bloodborne, and she was like, no, it's just not for me right now. Like, I don't want to stress out about it. So she decided we were going to play Shadow Colossus, and we are eight Colossus in on the game, so about halfway through, uh, which has been pretty fun. She's enjoying it. And then I have to decide what my next game is going to be for us to play as a couple. And uh, what else did I play? I played some Apex Legends this week, uh, which has been good. And, of course, we played and kind of beat Burly Minute C. So it's been a very good gaming week, I would say. What about yourself? Uh, Light gaming week for me. I downloaded uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge on Game Pass, and I played the first level, and I must say it looks as good as, you know, or it is as good as it looked. Yeah. Uh, it's a ton of fun. I will definitely go back and play some more of that. I'm not a big beat-em-up guy, but I do like me some turtles on occasion, and this is like a fun blast from the past. And uh, the controls seem, um, you know, fine. Uh, I'm not... 
great at these kinds of games. So like I definitely got my ass beat a little bit on the first level. Um, but I'm looking forward to trying the different characters and seeing what's different. And I think you could like level them up and stuff. Like I did get like an extra health point or something in the first level. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how much, you know, changes or grows in the game as you go. Yeah. Um, I've been playing a little bit more Paper Mario. People may have seen on Twitter. I found out how to hook an Xbox controller up to my phone. You just turn the Bluetooth on and it just works. That's and cool. then when I go into my emulator, it just works. So I could just all of a sudden have a much better experience. Try to play Paper Mario on like touchscreen controls with like trying to like waggle the thumbstick left repeatedly over and over quickly is just not yeah not something you can really do. Um, and then of course playing more Point P. Anybody out there who has Netflix and a phone, get yourself some Point P. Make some juice. It's fun. So I was reading they've had like. 15 million downloads or something since they started doing the games. Mm-hmm. Not too bad, actually, when you consider, you know, so it's going to be successful, I think. We yeah. talked about it last week and, you know, not going to dive in this week, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting. So catch that episode. Uh, anything else, man? That's it. Light week for me. Uh, cool. Watching all the gaming presentations and stuff was fun, though, and listening to all the reactions. Yeah. All right, well, before we start, you can find us on thegameslaters.com, our out-of-date website. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at Game Deflators, or on Instagram and Facebook, at The Game Deflators. Catch us on the podcast app you are listening to right now, or another, if you fancy. And, of course, you can leave us a five-star review on any of those podcast apps. Helps us out a lot. All right, uh, next thing we got here, or first thing we're going to discuss here, is the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase of 2022 and everything that was announced and revealed. We probably won't go over everything because it's a huge list. Uh, But Ryan, you kick it off because, I mean, this is kind of more in your wheelhouse nowadays than it is mine. Yeah, so that's kind of what my whole basis of being super happy about all this is, is that I actually have an Xbox now, and I get to take advantage of all of this great stuff coming out in the next 12 months, which I think was a really good way to approach the show. Uh, So much gameplay footage. All of these games are going to be out in the next year, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstances, but uh, really impressive in my mind. Um, Opening up the show was Redfall, which we didn't really know a whole lot about before this. It was a big cinematic trailer, but now we've got some actual in-game footage and, you know, I'm into it. I really like Arcane Studios. I haven't played Dishonored. So I'm not so, oh, no, it's not like a stealth game. I know people wish it was like another big stealth game. Uh, But I did really like Prey. And I know that this isn't going to quite be the same as Prey. It's not going to have that same kind of immersive sim kind of experience. But, uh, you know, I'm into it. I think it looks good. I'm totally ready to give that one a shot. Uh, Single player or multiplayer. So that's good. Well, you know, uh, I played Dishonored and I I loved it. I didn't beat it um, because my PlayStation actually died (laughs) when I was in the middle of playing that one. I think it was PS3 it came out on, correct? Yeah, Yeah. so it came out on PS3 and my PS3 had died. It was during that period of time where I was playing both God of War 3 and Dishonored and it just, yep, just never picked it back up. But it's on PS4 as well, so I need to to pick that up. It's on Game Pass. It is on Game Pass. Uh, So, you know, I like the idea of being able to MacGyver different weapons to kill vampires like that yeah. that in itself is a really cool aspect i love that about certain games is when you can kind of finagle different weapons together to mm-hmm. do things for you obviously there's limitations in the amount of things you can do like there would be any game but if that's like a key key component 
dude, I'm all for playing this game in, in some manner. Well, they have a history like in Prey with the like glue gun that you could use to make like scalable staircases on walls and stuff. Like multi-purposing items in their games is something that they definitely have like a big history with doing. So I would hope they take advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, next up was Hollow Knight Silk Song. Yes. Oh my God. Everybody's been dying for this announcement. Everybody's been thinking it's going to be a Nintendo owned announcement but uh it's showing up on game pass boom couldn't be happier i'm dying to play this one and the fact that it's not going to cost me anything extra even better imagine paying money just to be able to be the first one to show a trailer right like that's kind of insane the way that this is working out i mean there's a lot of games on here i mean it was kind of like that for medium uh we had seen that on one of the xbox showcases i guess a couple years ago or just before it came out and it was multi-platform, right? And like, this is obviously one of those situations where we're going to be playing this most likely on our Switch. Well, you'll play it on Xbox. Yeah. I'm going to play it on Switch. I played the first one on Switch, and it was the only game on Switch that I predominantly played on the TV and not in portable mode. And the music in that game is so good, and I really felt like in the world, it was like a really good Metroidvania. So this one will be awesome. It's one I still got to play, but I've got it still sealed. <laughs> Next up, High on Life. This looks crazy. Justin Roiland is so good, and I love me some Rick and Morty. I do kind of feel what I've heard some people say, like, everything just sounds the same. Like, he just does the Morty voice all the time for everything. And it's not that it's it's bad. It's just all I can think of is Rick and Morty. And, I mean, the fact that this is basically something that could just coexist with Rick and Morty makes it fair. But um, this would be really, really interesting. A bunch of top-tier voice acting talent playing sentient alien guns and knives well, as you murder your way through the universe. Well, yeah, and essentially the concept of this game is that the people are drugs, right, for this particular game? Uh, I don't remember. They said something about that in the beginning of the trailer. I just remember all the guns talking. Yeah, so like essentially they farm humans as drugs for this one is, is what I recall hearing. And, you know, the different, uh, the guns are basically different creatures. I forget the name of the creature specifically or that uh, race. I think they were called like Wapalians or something. I don't like remember, that. but I mean, all of them had different voices and you fire them as guns and you know, that in itself is crazy. I mean, like you said, this whole thing is what would essentially be a world of Rick and Morty. It's just, you don't have Rick and Morty, which is in a way kind of disappointing. Like you almost, want it to be a Rick and Morty only game with the voice acting and then have the craziness of all these creatures and everything else and exploring this like vast world. Like I would almost want that versus a title with Rick and Morty voices. Yeah. You know? So that, that was my thing on that, but it looks interesting. Uh, next up, this one's huge and this one is going to be more of a niche thing, but I mean, as far as niches, it is like one of the biggest audiences. So I don't know how niche it is, but Xbox teaming up with Riot Games to provide, um, you know, benefits to all of their different game platform, all of their different games if you have Game Pass membership. So you'll be able to unlock just every League character. And I, I don't know, John, you've never played League, right? So the way it works is, or the way it worked back when I played, back in my day, like 10 years ago, you would have like, 
a certain pool of characters that was available every week and it rotated and there were some characters that would be in there longer and some that would only be in shorter and like when a new character came out you know they might be free for the first week but that kept rotating and you can play forever and unlock characters or you can pay money to unlock characters this just gets you everything yeah. this is like hundreds of dollars and hundreds of hours worth of free like in your face content now yeah. that you just have access to and it's on Valorant it's on League it's on uh I think uh Wild Rift is the mobile game for League so this is probably one of the bigger actual value brings to like a huge audience you know if you're into those games so good on you for that win uh next one that I saw that was really interesting was Plague Tale Requiem uh Look, I played the first Plague Tale, absolutely loved it, and I am totally stoked for a next-gen Plague Tale. So if you haven't played that one, definitely check it out. You have the ability to, well, not the ability to uh, until towards another point, but you have your torch and whatnot, and you're trying to navigate your way through essentially plague rats and all this other craziness that's tied to it uh, within this, like, essentially medieval-type world where uh, they're trying to capture your brother. And you're trying to protect them the entire way through. And it's just like the church basically chasing you down. And uh, it's a lot of stealth, a lot of kind of puzzle in a sense, because you're trying to navigate your way through without getting spotted or running away from said people. Uh, so I, I enjoyed it. It was great storytelling, great music, great visuals, uh, great acting uh, that was tied to it. So highly recommend it. I'm totally stoked for the next one here. It kind of has that same vibe for me, like of Senua where it's like not like a big huge studio but they put out this like really really impressive first game that was like a smash hit and people like were like whoa and now it's you know this big anticipated sequel coming out and it's like probably going to capture a much bigger audience be a much more ambitious title and to see those studios get that kind of opportunity to step up and be like in the forefront here like we didn't see Senua shown here unfortunately but you know to see this coming in the next year it's definitely going to fill that hole for some people yeah for sure and dude just on the note of Senua like that's another one I'm totally stoked for and I'm so disappointed that it's an Xbox exclusive or also PC as well yeah uh just because they ended up buying I think it was Team Ninja is one that did that one uh, but yeah I mean it's also kind of cool to have played those games before they like spiked in popularity right yeah um they were cool they had great visuals but they're not one that Folks were like, oh, yeah, I need to get my hands on Seno. I need to get my hands on Plague Tale. They were more like under-the-radar hit titles Yeah, uh, that kind of gained a quick cult following. And now it's, like you said, just this, oh, crap, like this is actually a really good game. We need a second one. Yeah. And people are excited. So, uh, Scorn. Scorn looks so creepy, and it might even be too much for me. But, hey, that's where Game Pass comes in. Dude, there are so many games that are just like creepy and horror and zombie and like all this other crazy stuff that are coming out. Like we saw it with Sony. We're seeing some of it here with, with Microsoft. It's going to be a, a very crazy next couple of years with like horror-based games. Lots of sci-fi horror. I yeah. like it. Uh, the one I like, I don't know if you had this one on your list, but Flintlock uh, looked actually pretty cool. Third-person RPG and you wield guns and melee weapons and it'll be coming out... Um, early 2023 i don't know i didn't see if this was specifically like xbox exclusive or not um but if it is or if it's you know 
Xbox Studios exclusive, then it'll probably be one I look at for PC. But that'll look very interesting. Yeah, um, no, I kind of, that one didn't really catch me. I was kind of interested in Pentiment by Obsidian. Uh-huh. I mean, the art style looks really good. I don't know if it's going to be like a game that's necessarily up my alley, actually. But, you know, Obsidian makes some good games, and it was interesting. I can't remember who I heard talking about it, but somebody was saying that, you know, they're getting this kind of opportunity because Xbox and Microsoft try to be hands-off with the studios that they purchased, which, you know, sometimes has its benefits and sometimes has its detriments. But it's allowed Obsidian to, you know, do Grounded and do Pentiment and not just be like, all right, we own you. Get to work on a new Fallout. You know? Like, they can kind of spread their wings and do a few other things. And, like, now over the next couple of years, we're going to start to see all of this really start to come out where, you know, it's like this. This is all going to be in the next 12 months. So next summer, they show another showcase. It's going to be the next 12 months. And, you know, I think that if they could keep that up and keep us steadily dripped with actual titles coming out and get away from you know uh todd howard mentioned fallout 5 this week which is going to come after sky or after the next elder scrolls which starfield isn't even out yet so you know he's talking about a game that's going to come out when we're like almost 40 yeah it's ridiculous you know like thank god they're not showing a splash trailer for that here now and hopefully not next year either i I haven't even played fallout 4 yet like that's how bad it is but uh another one that caught my eye was Lightyear frontier you know i'm all for uh exploration type games and uh, i don't know if we hear that on the podcast but we got thunder so deep thunder (laughs) deep thunder uh i dude that's like the first rain we've had in like six months yeah uh so Lightyear frontier looked pretty cool uh, but yeah, exploration farming game, uh, kind of like Stardew Valley, but like next gen mechanical and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I, those are the types of games I like dude. like casual games where I could sit back and I can just build things, right. And make yeah. things my own. Like I love those type of games. And then one other, cause I think you'd skipped over this one. Uh, last case of Benedict Fox, uh, Metroidvania style game with Gothic art. And, um, you know, it's, it looks badass, dude. Like, Metroidvanias in general look cool, but this one, it was solid. Like, there's a lot of slashing, a lot of gore that comes with it in that Metroidvania, you know, side-scrolling style. And uh, it's one for me to look out for moving I think forward. I need to go back and take a second look at that trailer because, you know, you're not the first person that's... I've heard mentioned positive things about it, and I just don't remember being that impressed with it. So I'll go back and, and watch that one again. Yeah, that one looks solid for sure. I'm really on the fence about Diablo 4 and you know with everything that just happened with Diablo Immortal and what a kind of ripoff that kind of is and the fact that you know they're just using reusing old classes like they're not really making anything like that looks crazy new like the graphics look incredible and I'm sure this game's gonna be really awesome and I really had a lot of fun with Diablo 3 so I will play this game at some point I'm sure but just with You know, everything that's going on with Activision Blizzard. And, like, we'll talk about that even a little bit more a little later on. But I just... I want to wait for Bobby Kotick to be gone before I pick that game up. Because, like, you really do, you know, vote with your pocketbook. And I just... I don't see myself wanting to to go and buy anything from them right now. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see. I don't know if I'm going to skip over any viewers, but Cocoon. Cocoon. Yeah, that had my interest for sure. I love me some puzzle games. And, um, you know, it's by uh, the guy that made Inside and Limbo, which uh, were also... One of them. Well, one of the guys, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know what? That was a badass title. I enjoyed the the way that that title went. I uh, played both of those and, and truly liked them. Uh, so Cocoon being, it's obviously a little different, but the puzzle atmosphere is something that I really enjoy, and it's on this like alien planet as well. So, you know, I, I think there's going to be some nice twists and turns that are tied to this, and graphically look nice. Um, Gameplay-wise. side of the orbs <clears throat> and stuff was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the gameplay itself looked pretty smooth, so it's definitely one to keep an eye on as well. Uh, I don't know if I skipped over any years because there was a couple there before. No. Um, let's see. Next up, Wolong. It looked interesting. I thought I saw a preview for that a long time ago, though. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, and it was something else. Some of these games start to look the same, you know, after a while. Um, Persona announcement was pretty interesting for that to be coming out on um, Xbox. I'm actually kind of surprised. Yeah, you know? I can't wait not to finish that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be great, though, to have those all available and on PC. Like, people keep saying, like, I can't believe you're going to be able to play Persona, you know on steam deck before you could play it on switch yeah uh you know it's kind of disappointing they played on your phone i'll be able to play i'll be able to not play persona through the cloud every day yeah exactly and then tell us that you're gonna beat it but you never do uh you know the thing that's disappointing is that they always start with persona 3 you know like i wish it would add one and two to this because one and two are like astronomical right now in price on the ps1 like, I've got number two, but I don't have... I think I got number two or number one. And it's like three or four hundred bucks last I checked. Yeah. It's like insane. You know, like, why do I want to... You know, maybe because it's a different style. So I think back then it wasn't that same, like, narrative storytelling. I, guess. I don't, I don't know. know. It's not a series. Yeah, it's not a series I really dove into. Um, and the biggest announcement, right? Hideo Kojima and Xbox partnership. Uh, so it looks like he'll be doing something with Xbox Studios. Um, that actually... They must have thrown that guy a boatload of money. To do that. Well, I think that he wants to use their cloud system to do something really crazy, and they're just the game in town to do it. So, I mean, he's an independent dev, and, you know, he's letting everybody know that he's not married to PlayStation, so... Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, You know, the fact that he's working with Xbox Studios, apparently, but, you know, he does... That's what's interesting, right? He's got his own studio. So, I'm just questioning, like, is this a... I want to partner with you on this, but it's going to go to other consoles? Or is it, hey, you paid me a boatload of money and it's going to stay exclusive to Xbox? There's not, We didn't even see I a mean, trailer. If it's going to be based off of Xbox's like cloud architecture, Like, I don't know that that'll necessarily translate to how PlayStation's is set up to work. I'm, I want to say Sony uses Xbox cloud architecture, don't they? I don't know. I don't know. i got to look back into that one. Um, that, that was a conversation with like a long Azure time ago. or something? Uh, yeah, they use uh, Azure. Um, and then you have like Amazon uses AWS for like Amazon Web Services. I think that's their cloud setup. I don't, dude, that's a lot of, a little bit out of my realm of expertise in that area. Don't listen to us. Yeah, don't listen to us on that. Well, listen but... to us. And when you do listen to us, leave us five stars. Exactly. Just don't comment on this. Um, but yeah, so it was just funny that the whole thing was just like, I'm going to make a game and I'm going to make it with Xbox Studios. Yeah, we'll see you in 2027, Kojima. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, they said this is coming out in the next 12 months. 
there's nothing there. No, so yeah, it's yeah. not going to come out in 12 months. I guess that was the one big exception. Yeah, right? The next and, one is Starfield, though. Yeah. Lastly, we've got Starfield. And Starfield is not really something that I was sold on at all until I saw the gameplay footage. Because... I don't know, it just, all the reporting and stuff that we've seen and the rumors we've talked about and, like, the leaks and stuff, like, it just hasn't seemed like it was really going to come together. But, honestly, seeing it now, it looks like it's come together just as well as any other Bethesda venture. So, I'm sure it'll probably be, you know, fine and then get better over the next couple years like they all do. But, honestly, you know, as much as I didn't get super into Fallout 4... I have really gotten lost in a lot of these games. And I mean, I've come back to Skyrim so many times. Like, to just go into space and do something different that doesn't have all the same things. Like, I feel like Fallout 4 didn't catch me as much because I'd just been so inundated with Fallout. And it was just like, okay, this is just, you know, a lot of the same Fallout stuff again. So to get away from those familiar tropes well, um, and put a different skin on it. Yeah. I think will be refreshing. It, yeah, but I mean, it's going to be a lot of the same, right? We're going to have technical glitches and bugs and everything yeah. else, I still feel. And, you know, how big is too big in this game? Because they're talking, what, a thousand planets or something but like most that? most of them... So, I, I heard somebody put this in a really good light. So, I think that they understand that most planets are going to be barren wastes of space. But because there's, like, the, you know, mining of, like, minerals and stuff... Like, what if there was, like, you're flying from one planet to another planet and something happens to your ship, like, in the middle and you have to make, like, an emergency landing and then you have to, like, go explore the planet to try to get, like, you know, materials to fix your ship or something. Like, if there's no cities or NPCs on that planet, like, that's fine. You're just stopping by for some nickel and iron. Yeah, I guess. It's just when you consider that still has to be developed in some capacity, right? So Just procedurally generated. But it has to be usable. Like, you have to be able to play on that planet because there's going to be people wanting to explore, right? So, yeah, it could be like a small planet's a barren wasteland, but you still got to develop all that. You still got to make it happen. And we're talking a thousand of those planets, and they're talking about getting this out in the next 12 months. I mean, it's been in development for some time, obviously. But... We've seen Bethesda over the years, and I'm just questioning. Like, I, I mean, know No Man's Sky has billions of planets. It does, but it's not Bethesda. Yeah, that's <laughs> very true. So, you know, that's what kind of worries me is uh, they're at the helm of this thing, and how how is it going to turn out? You know, I want to play Starfield. It looks badass, but I do kind of have my reservations with this being the developer behind it. So, all right. Uh, I guess uh, that would be it for that showcase. Let us know what you think and yeah. what you thought your favorite title was out of all of that. Uh, they did there... some like extended gameplay footage and stuff a few days later. I kind of missed that one, though. Yeah, I didn't watch. I mean, I watched multiple like highlights, essentially, which is pretty cool. Um, I didn't go in. like It was a two-hour show, man. Like, no way am I going to watch all two hours. So I found like a 20-minute thing of just like where they cut out all of the BS in between and just showed trailers, which yeah. is kind of nice. Uh, but that particular piece uh, was covered by Kevin, uh, Lee, Kevin at Lee at IGN. Yeah, so that was uh, what we referenced there. All right, uh, Final Fantasy VII remake will be a trilogy. This is uh, Zach Sweezen at Kotaku, Kotaku. and uh, you know, surprise, surprise, it's a a trilogy, right? Like we already knew this. Everything's like, a trilogy. Well, like nobody makes just two things. But anymore. we knew it was going to be a trilogy. I mean, I, I think what it was. 
three discs in the original game yeah. should translate to three full games. It should, right? And so I think we all kind of knew that, but I guess the news here is that they finally confirmed it. Yeah. Like, they hadn't confirmed it up until this point, which and is the oddest winter. thing. Yeah. Well, wait, next winter, not this winter? Winter 23. Oh, my God. Seriously? Do you know what it is? It's because I thought this would for sure be like 2025. It, I, yeah, I had well, no way in my mind thought that this was going to come out next year because like Final Fantasy 16 still isn't out yet. So how have they had time to do this? Plus they showed off the like Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer a few months ago. Like that's a lot of irons in the fire. Well, and they're basically making um, Final Fantasy 7 into Kingdom Hearts 2.0. Essentially. Yeah, like just the amount of like, okay, so Crisis Core Final Fantasy 7. So basically redoing a remake of a prequel of that. Uh, Crisis Core Final Fantasy 7 Reunion, which is coming out this winter on PS4, PS5, and all the Xbox consoles and PC. Uh, you had uh, Rebirth is the, I think, the remake, yeah, essentially. So that's Rebate, part two Rebirth the is the sequel to Remake. You had, uh, yeah. You had Ever Crisis, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. That's like the mobile port of Final Fantasy VII, but like updated in a lot of ways. And then there was like Final Fantasy VII First Class, I think. First First Soldier. Soldier. That's like a Battle Royale Final Fantasy game that's supposed to be pretty interesting. But like, think about it though. Like, we have been dying for Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, now called Rebirth. We've been wanting this game. The game's been out. When did it come out? the The first remake, I think, came out two years ago. So you'd figure two years to develop this thing, and they've no. they announced, oh, dude, they announced this is Square. They an- yeah, I know Final they Fantasy versus thirteen. That's true, and Final Fantasy fourteen <laughs> came out or fifteen came out like ten years <laughs> yeah. after the fact. Yeah, this is Square. Like I get it, but people have been clamoring for this for so long. Same thing with Kingdom Hearts, and they just like bide their time. And they make well, they all did these- Integrate, which came out like last year, which wasn't very good. Apparently, I don't know. I heard it I wasn't that great, it. but. See, they're giving us, like, did we ask for Crisis Core, a new one? Not really. Nobody was talking Crisis about a remake. Crisis Core is, like, it's a supposed to be pretty good, Yeah, but it's, like, trapped on the PSP. Yeah, and I get that. So, like, that's fine. I mean, if you want to remake it. But, like, why do we have the Battle Royale and a mobile game? And all these, they're just milking it. Yeah. And, you know, are that many people going to play it? Maybe. Who knows? But, like, the big moneymaker there is the remake. And getting that out with your, you know, your special edition versions and multiple consoles and everything else, like put that out, you know, as soon as possible, and then supplement it with these other things afterwards. Like they just continue to bide their time. It drives me crazy. I mean, and this is anticipated winter 2023. This is not including yeah. a delay, which honestly we'll probably see spring 2024. Because there's a bunch of other stuff they're working on too, like uh, live alive. The 2.5D, I think that's them. Yeah. And then there's like heavy rumors for like a 2.5D pixel art for the, uh, or the HD pixel art for um, Final Fantasy VI yeah. remake or something, hopefully. I don't know. There's They try to do a lot and a lot of it just doesn't like... Doesn't hit. I, they were not the first one to do it in like the last couple of weeks, but they had kind of like that sizzle reel at... The part where they just showed, like, merchandise that they're going to come out with, like a clock and some figures. The clock looked kind of cool, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford that or beat all the bots to the buy button. I mean, that's assuming people even want it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You'll have people that want it, but, like, you know, in that type of, those droves of folks. Um, okay, let's see. The was next... this also where they talked about Dragon's Dogma? And then they, like, were like, oh, wait, no, we're actually going to talk about Dragon's Dogma, like, in two days. 
Uh, I don't know. I didn't catch that. I just watched. Oh, the I think that might one. have been a Capcom, not Square. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to that. I'm making a fool of myself. Continue. And you're confusing me too. All right. So next one is uh, Activision investigates itself and an unsurprisingly uh, and unsurprisingly finds no evidence of systematic harassment. This is Cal Jeffrey at TechSpot. Oh my God, dude. So let me let me find. You know what? You didn't actually include it here. No, you did not include the article. Um, at least on Discord. So I'm gonna look that up really quick, but. The first one, oh, I remember what it is now. So there's a comment on there. Somebody tweeted that was, uh, I have uh, found no evidence, despite the crumbs on my face, that the cookie was eaten by me. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much what it was in the gist. And yeah, so they did an internal investigation and determined that there was no evidence of the systematic harassment. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what happened if a third party came in and did the investigation process. What would happen? Yeah, like if if so many people have complained, and like the news has gotten out there, and the state of California has gotten involved, nobody's going to take you at your word when you just say, "Hey, look, we got it. Nothing really even happened here. It's all fine." You know, uh, it's. It's exactly like I was saying earlier. Like, I just don't feel like I can give my money to, you know, any of these type of projects anymore at this time because it's just not worth it. A, I'm not that interested enough to, you know, just let that kind of happen and and go unaddressed. And it's unfortunate that, you know, so much goodwill in the game industry is kind of misaligned with the company you know people really get behind and champion like these companies even though the companies are you know evil soulless money-sucking corporations like you should really be championing the people at the companies and that's why these companies are having hard times like with hiring right now talent is like a major leak in the industry because a lot of these studios are coming up together and being like hey you know we can do this better ourselves or you know we can with a small team make really good things happen nowadays and you know they kind of go out do their thing and then they get bought up by bigger companies again it seems like nowadays but like something's got to change somewhere like all of this needs to have some kind of you know internal restructuring um, you know, we've seen some union stuff start to pop up at like, um, what was it? Raven something studios. I don't remember. Um, yeah, I mean the people in these jobs deserve to be able to go to work and feel good about themselves and their jobs and not, you know, be like harassed at work. Well, so here, here's a few pieces. So the committee admitted that there were some substantiated instances of gender harassment found no evidence supporting the conclusion that senior leadership or board tolerated or were even aware of the behavior. How would you not be aware of that behavior unless you purposefully ignored it? You like, tell all your yes men not to tell you about the problem so you don't have to lie to the board. Yeah, and it just doesn't climb up. And then here's that, that uh, tweet. Said having a having conducted a thorough investigation of myself, I have determined that the cookies ate themselves. The crumbs found on my face and hands could have been from any number of cookie-like substances that were not in fact cookies. 
Um, so that was good. Uh, and then just kind of looking at the comments, they're all like hilarious comments, dude, because it's, it's hilarious. I mean, when you think about it, um, the first one is Activision and Bobby Kotick would never lie to people like, and then let's see another one. Um, somebody said shocker, doubtful, um, not sure of your point yoga pants are form hugging. So no, that's something else. It's, it's, <laughs> no, no, actually it is a comment. It goes into yoga pants it says you've never been able to pat women on, uh, the derriere in modern history. So interesting. said derriere plus a lawsuit would only be, be big if no action taken by the company or systematic. So they, they dive into it. Like there's all these crazy comments in this article in particular, but the one thing that's also interesting is that there's, they've settled $18 million the state of California, as you had mentioned through this yeah. whole legal battle. You don't just settle if you're not guilty of any wrongdoing. And so it's it like, all their investigation, like I get all their investigation, it would say, oh, leadership didn't know. This is all just for shareholders, I'm sure, because yeah. nobody else in the world is going to believe this. Like, I don't even know if the shareholders will believe no. it, but if if this allows them to just keep making money, I'm sure they're happy to sweep it under the rug and pretend like it didn't happen either, because they don't care either. They're just there for the money. They don't care what Activision Blizzard does. They don't even care that they make video games. They're just there as a source of funds. Well, you know, regardless, I think Kodak needs to go anyways. Yeah, right. He's like, going to be if, gone. He's going to be redundant and not keep his job. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you're the CEO of an organization and there are allegations of things like this that are occurring, and then a con, you know, in an in internal process says, "Oh, well, senior leadership didn't know." Like, that's bullshit. Like, how does senior leadership not know if that type of stuff's going on? Yeah. Like, they know what's going on, 100%. Like, there's things that, yeah, you can hide, but if you have people vocally saying, hey, this is an issue in the workplace, they're going to HR, well, then things aren't funneling the way they should. And I guess, you know, there's a the chance that leadership doesn't know based on that, but, like, that many people not doing their job and then not funneling up, I find hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh Next big thing that we've got here is our inflation deflation of the week, which is Burly Men at Sea. This was developed by Brain and Brain, published by Brain and Brain and Plugin Detail or Digital, digital. not d Detail. Uh, designed by Brooke Condolora. Condolora. Like. Condolora. Yeah, dude, I need to like zoom this in even further. I got my glasses on today. Um, released in September of 2016. It is an adventure game, indie game, casual game, and you put adventure game again. Uh, and it is a reception of 7 out of 10, uh, generally. So, it's, uh, it's an interesting title. It has, you know, Ryan and I were talking about this earlier, where it's got these branching storylines that all kind of intermingle, where you it starts out with, like, just literally a screen that says Burly Minute C. And you control with just the left analog stick to be able to, like, move a cursor, uh, as well as your touchpad on the PS5 if you want to go that route, or the right analog stick to go left or right on the screen to kind of open up the full screen. And I'll throw some pictures on Twitter and such if you haven't seen this game, and of course you could search it up as well on Google. But it kind of starts where you get this bottle and it gets captured by a net, and it's just this narrative story. And, it, and honestly, the way it goes is like a children's book. The way it reads, like all the dialogue is like, oh, the burly men did the following and like yeah. Steady Beard jumped in after and it's pretty Steady cool. Yeah. Hasty Beard. And, and uh, uh, who's the other one? Brave Beard. Brave Beard. Yeah. Brave Beard. Um, Hasty Beard jumping into the Murrah woman. Uh, but so it, it does tell in like a children's type story and you kind of there's some interaction of like different characters within like the port that you're at or the small city port. And, um, you know, you go on your boat and you go into the ocean, you get swallowed by a whale at some point. Uh, 
you meet some nymphs and then you have like a choice. Do you wait by the fire? Do you play with the dangly thing in the back of its throat to quote Cardi B again? Uh, you can uh, jump on your boat. You can mess with barrels. Like there's various things that you can do that kind of go into other parts of the story, right? Like one of the things that we did was we talked to a mountain and a mountain tried to give us flowers, which are basically trees. And then that led us to go back off into the ocean. Uh, I think when Ryan was doing his part of a playthrough, it was um, you went to the seals. Like you found yeah. yourself uh, in the water with some seals and this giant squid monster basically. And it's, it's super short. It's like 15 minutes like at a time. But when you finish like each playthrough, uh, there's books that are on like the end of the game and there's room for a ton of them. So there's like multiple ways you can play and the characters know what's occurred. So when we finished, um, for example, yours and then went into my thing, when they got swallowed, they're like, oh, this is familiar. And then nymphs like have different dialogue. And then like I did the seals again. They're like, oh, wow, we're like back here again. Or like, oh, what's that green island? It must be some sort of creature. Like there's different forms of dialogue that jump in. Uh, as you progress and it's just it's really interesting man so you know my my overall thoughts were uh, visually i thought it was beautiful yeah um i thought it was very simplistic very easy to just kind of pick up casually and play and and enjoy um i mean you're looking at 15 minute spurts like if you're a dude or i guess a guy and like your significant other is getting ready for something you're like i have nothing to do for the next like 15 minutes you could literally pick this game up and beat a playthrough in 15 minutes yeah uh, i think it's a good um game for like playing with children just because like it is more of a simple story uh the text is clearly laid out it's got like fun little you know audio and music and stuff uh but it's also got that same kind of cyclical like you know kids watching the same show over and over and over again but with slightly different twists so like getting kids to like realize you know how games work and how branching stories kind of work like this could be a really fun game for that i think it's got the perfect you know children's storybook aesthetic um it's developed by like a husband and wife team uh they've made a couple games i i think it's really cute i've been wanting to touch this for a long time and i'm glad we had a chance to check it out i probably won't be coming back to finish all of the different routes, but you know, no, not I'm, every game every week has to be the same kind of game. Yeah, and you know, I agree with you on that. And um, you know, I'm not going to be going back necessarily to play a bunch of routes. I think that I got the gist of it and and I enjoyed it. Would I want to continue a story? Yeah, but I think I'd want some sort of guide to tell me like, hey, this is what you got to do to do the following. Like instead of touching the dangly thing, um, I forgot the hell it's called. The what? Uvula. Yeah, uvula. There you go. I'm not in bio. Uh, but like, you know, touch the boat instead or like talk to this person instead. Like, what else can I do? Like, if I had a guy that straight up walked me through that, that I think that'd be pretty cool just to see all the different stories. and Probably you know, take you as long to read the guide as to just try it. That's true, to be honest. Um, it's that short of a game. So, you know, uh, like I said, control-wise, very simplistic. Audio was good. Visual was good. Um, I liked it. You know, and I think if the price is right, then it, it makes sense. And well, let's John, go into that. Speaking of the price, you can get this digital-only game through a bunch of different sources at kind of a bunch of different prices. So, uh, first up, when I was searching, uh, Steam and Switch both came up. That's ten bucks. Usually, it's ten bucks on PlayStation, but actually, it's on sale through the twenty-second. So you will actually be able to hear this episode. And hear that this game is on sale if you listen to this episode the first or second day that it's out, I think. And uh, take advantage of it, where it is 349 
Uh, you can get it on Apple iOS devices for $4.99 or at the Google Play Store for $2.99. So, you know, Google's definitely going to be the cheapest place to play this. I don't necessarily think that this is something you need on your Switch. I, you know, if you really want this as a portable game, you know, save yourself a ton of money and just buy it on Google Play. Here, here's the beautiful thing is as we're reviewing this for is it inflated or deflated, there are so many different pricing options that we could go through here. Uh, you know, at $10, completely inflated. I don't think it's worth $10 at all. I mean, yes, there's a lot of branching story paths and such, but it doesn't have enough content-wise in each individual playthrough, I feel. 10 bucks is a reach. Yeah, it is. I think 5 bucks is a sweet spot for this. But 5 bucks is like the most I would play for an app game at all, at all usually yeah. mm-hmm. so like i think even 299 is like that's top price app game for me mm-hmm. uh i guess this you know it's got some things that are quality about it you know if you're in the right situation where you know you think you would actually get the time out of this i wouldn't say don't buy it but i mean for me you know if it's more than a dollar for this kind of game i'm just not gonna even do it uh you know yeah i'm kind of in the same boat and it's not necessarily a you know it's not worth it right like at three dollars do i think somebody would enjoy this at three bucks and get enough out of it yeah totally like i think honestly and that's, do the creators deserve that yes yeah exactly so i think that's just right you know at 2.99 i think even at 4.99 i'll stretch i'll say even at 4.99 like i think you could get enough out of this and like three or four playthroughs you're spending about an hour to an hour and a half roughly playing this game and at 499 that's a good time right and the fact that it's on your phone so you can pass it off to your kid if you want to or um play it yourself doesn't matter there's a lot of options there with apple uh so i think 499 is top dollar for me i would say based on the variety of pricing that we have here i would say this is just right uh, on pricing for me personally i wouldn't buy this at that price point but i think it is worth that for others who may be interested in this type of title so uh i don't know what's your rating on it you're saying inflated yeah i i gotta go with inflated unfortunately okay that's fine i'll stick with inflated i mean for me personally yeah it'd be inflated at that price but others might not find it like that so cool uh let's see next week we talked about playing some metal helsinger right gotta download yeah. the demo and, and kind of go through that so uh yeah that's that's what we got next week but this has been episode 188 of the Game Flares Podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.